the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, it's been uh, crazy. I, I'll tell you. I spent the last few days just reading, and I'm just amazed at how much stuff <laughs> is going on. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you have 330 million people in a country where things are mostly um, unencumbered, at least compared to other countries, <laughs> the uh, regulations are rough, especially on smaller businesses. I, I wish somebody would do something about that. They would get my vote and came in and said, hey, we're going to loosen the regulations on small businesses and we're going to simplify the tax code. That would be a huge help. The, um, so they would definitely get my vote. Actually, just simplifying the tax code, that, that would get my vote. <laughs> Is the uh, I'm looking at my stuff and going, wow, you know, they, my accountants are expensive <laughs> and uh, they're worth it. <laughs> it is a ton of crap. But uh, anyway, we'll be talking about that in over the next few shows. I'll get a couple CPAs on and maybe they can get you some uh, tax saving ideas uh, for the remainder of the year. Stuff that you got to get done before December 31st. And uh, I, I've got to imagine there are a ton of those things. Uh, by the way, if you're 72, you got to take your RMDs. Uh, if you wait until December, uh, actually, if you wait for another week, you may not be able to get it out this year. Let me say that again. If you need to take your RMDs out and you wait for one more week, you may not be able to get it out because the custodians, those are the brokerage firms I use Fidelity, E-Trade, actually, they, they became Axos Advisors now, The uh, in uh, a firm called Folio. And you turn it in after the first week in December, a, a distribution request, they will not guarantee that it gets out on time. So do that right away. And if you're one of my clients, you haven't done it yet, then you, you definitely need to give us a call. And there's nothing we can do about that. We don't have any control over that. You know, you know how that goes. People get angry at, you know, that's kill the messenger and uh, the messenger is just the messenger. Um, that's why I'm telling you now that you, you need to really t step that up and take care of that. So, but anyway, I was reading in, you know, and I like to take the first 15 minutes, kind of just give it a, a broad overview of, of where the economy is now, uh, what's going on, what's driving it, what's, what's hurting it. 
um, and, and right now, it's, un, it's unreal, the dichotomy, how separated certain industries are. Some industries, you cannot get materials for six to eight months. I mean, I'm waiting on a piece of furniture that I ordered six months ago. <laughs> six months and it still hasn't come. So I'm just like, wow. And it's not just that industry. I mean, there are tons of industries. And then there are others that are, are not doing too badly. In fact, online retailing is doing very well. And uh, there's a, a ton of construction industries. They're doing well. They could be running a lot faster. And it really, that's you know, very iffy depending on what part of the country you're in, what you're doing. But the bottom line is there is a lot of work in this country. The areas that we're headed into, the electrification of everything, I don't know exactly how this is going to go, but I can tell you all the journals that I read, all the newspapers, the stories, the, uh, uh, we are moving towards a society where we use a lot more electricity, um, probably more than we will natural gas and gasoline at some point in time. That's a long way off, but we're going to be using a lot more electricity. We're going to be generating it in any way we can. That's the bottom line. We need the capacity that we don't have today. And if I were a kid and I'm in high school, I'd, I'd be an electrician. Now, I tried to be an electrician when I got out of high school, but I'm colorblind. And back in those days, uh, you could not handle wires if you couldn't tell which colors they were. <laughs> so I didn't have a chance. But the, um, the bottom line is, you, uh, uh, you have to be able to, you had to be able to see uh, different colors. And today, I'm not sure that's the same, uh, although I'm sure it probably helps. But anyway, that's going to be just the, the careers in that field. I mean, the stuff that you can do. I re remember when people were going around installing these gigantic satellite dishes. Uh, I knew a couple of people that did that. They did very, very well. I knew a lot of people who didn't do well, but the, uh, some of the people did very, very well. They were just self-employed, uh, independent. A lot of them worked by referral. You know, they would do a job for somebody, put a satellite dish in. Somebody lives out in the country somewhere, can't get a whole bunch of television stations. They put these big dishes in there, like six feet in diameter, and I'd put them on the ground, mount them up, and hook them up. Well, the reason I bring that up is because that was a pretty good cottage industry for a while. And then the, the technology improved like it normally does. And they moved away from those great big dishes. Thank goodness they were kind of ugly, actually. But the, uh, uh, now they've got these smaller ones. And those are shrinking all the time. You know, Elon Musk is putting up that satellite network over the entire Earth. I think Elon Musk is an alien. <laughs> I don't know who can be in that many places at one time? And there's, there's probably like four of them. He probably had three identical twins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, he's all over the place. But so that that's a really good uh, area. Anything to do with electricity, distribution, generation, all the other technologies that go along with that, your 5Gs, it all ties together. And it, it's amazing when you look at all the innovation that's coming down, you know, people getting doctor's visits at home over their laptops, you know, that 
That's mind-boggling. Uh, I can work from home. I, actually, I have a uh, really nice computer. You should see the security on it. It's pretty wild. The uh, but I've got a. It's a little heavier than most laptops because it's got all this extra stuff on there for you know security reasons and, and all that other stuff. But essentially, I can do whatever I need to do wherever I am. And I even have a, uh, a what's it called? I've got my own personal link up to the internet. Um, and uh, it's a, they call them hotspots. But uh, I bring that with me. It's unbelievable how well that thing picks up and how fast it is. And I do that because, you know, I'm the kind of the belt and suspenders kind of guy. I like the, uh, the protection that gives me to have my own uh, connection that's now supposed to be guarded. <laughs> I pay extra for that as well. But the bottom line is I can go uh, to, I can go on vacation somewhere, open my laptop, get my work done for that day. And normally it takes, I don't know, three or four hours to get the administrative work done each day and uh, and then start talking to people. You know, so it's it's mind boggling. I mean, if and if you'd have told me that I was going to be doing this back when I started and I had to share a computer screen that looked like a big television with a keyboard in front of it. And it was on a on a swivel because they could only afford one for every two desks. And you had to swivel them back and forth between you and the guy, the guy next to you. The, uh, uh, I would have, I would have said, yeah, I would have laughed. I would have laughed out loud if you'd have told me where we were going to be today. Thinking, yeah, that's not happening. So, anyway, my point to all this is, is that stocks are actually in a good place. The large caps are they're ahead of themselves. There's no doubt about it. Is it a lot? Yeah, probably 35% or so. That that That's a lot. If it comes back down, then they'll be exactly, well, they'll be undervalued again. So if you get a big correction, stocks are probably going to be undervalued. And the reason I'm bringing this up, it's been over 10 months since we've had a 10% or more correction. And normally, you get a 10% correction every 12 to 18 months. Does that mean, I, am I trying to predict that the market's going to go out? Nope, I'm not that dumb. Because you cannot time that up. You can't see it coming. Uh, you can't react quickly enough. And if you do, getting back out. And by the way, I hear these you know, people send in, if you, if you missed the uh, uh, 10 best days, yep, your returns drop like a rock. And then I hear these people too. well, yeah, well, look what happens if you miss the 10 worst days. Here's the problem with that whole scenario. You can't predict the best days and you can't predict the worst days. So the main idea is to have an idea is to have an idea of what your overall tolerance for risk is. And then whatever that is, let's say I, I'm going to be able to take a 15 or 20 percent decline without you know, blinking or batting an eye. Great. Take 20 percent, multiply it by two. That's 40 percent. Put that in a diversified stock account and the rest of your money, you're going to have to leave in something safe or safer because if you put it all in and the market goes down 50%, then um, you'd be down 50%. If you're, you're only 40%, 50% of 40% is 20%. How's that? You're only down 20%. What happens here is the average person then goes, wait a minute, you know, when the market goes up a lot, they go, hey, I didn't make as much money as the market made. Well, you probably did on your stocks, but you probably didn't on bonds because bonds are not paying much at all. And bonds are there for the safety factor. 
And this is the number one mistake I see people making is trying to jump in and jump out. And it's been that way since, oh, since they started talking about stocks. I forgot where the first stock exchange was. I think it was Amsterdam. And then they started uh, uh, trading stocks on Wall Street. That's actually how it came to America. And they would meet for every, I think it was a couple of hours. And uh, these representatives would come up and sell shares in different businesses to different companies. By the way, back in those days, stocks in bonds were very, very similar. A bond was a promise to pay interest. A lot of people would demand that because a stock, they would share a percentage of the profits in dividends. So if the profits, if they didn't have much in the way of profits, they didn't pay out a lot. Well, that's how bonds came into being because some people were like, no, I don't care how well you're doing. I just want to get paid. And uh, that, that goes way, way back, you know, back, you know, oh, I don't know, before Christ, actually. The, uh, so bonds are, were a guaranteed payment no matter how well you're doing. And stocks, they would typically they were more like partnerships. They would take their profits and, and split the profits among the shareholders. And if they wanted to do another project, they would just sell more stock. If they had a good track record of paying out dividends on existing projects, then they got more money. So it's unbelievable how old this is, by the way. And I know I've told this story a million times, but the uh, Plymouth Rock that you've heard about, you know, when the pilgrims first came over, they named it the Plymouth Rock because it was the Plymouth Land Company that sponsored the ships coming over here. And they sold stock to do it. So finance is old. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a riot when people think this stuff is uh, all new. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> Been around for a long, long time. In fact, one of the first books I ever read when I got into this business was The House of Morgan. It's about J.P. Morgan and how it started off in the early 1800s. It was really fascinating. It was an interest. And these, these guys were shrewd. I mean, they put deals together. They would uh, sell the deals, you know, sell the investments, and then uh, watch the share prices go all over the place based on rumors. I, can't, I can only imagine what the rumors were like then when you didn't have a way of checking up and seeing except for going and talking to the people who you gave your money to directly. Um, that was, that, that would have been a trip, but, uh, it's one of the reasons, uh, very few people ever invested. They would, you know, dig a hole in the backyard and put their money down there and, uh, not, not such a good idea, but, uh, but Hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, if you look at some of the stock exchanges that were around in the, uh, late 1700s and how well the stocks, uh, their stock markets did, you might change your mind. And now that I hear the music, i got to take a real quick commercial break. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Yep. Thought I'd bring that Christmas music out. <laughs> hey, if you have a question on anything you hear uh, on my show, feel free to call me or email me. It's bill at bullingtoncapital.com or just go to my website, Bullington Capital. Now, I get a lot of people that go to the website and they go to the contact us form. They put in their name and their email address and they forget to type in their question. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I'll reach out to you and uh, you can try to respond back to that email. But um, it, it's just a lot more helpful if I know what the question is. So it's pretty funny. But anyway, I thought I would give you a little advantage, or a, little advantage a little example of a, a, one of the annuity products I've been talking about now for a couple of years. Um, I think it's a really good idea. I think the insurance companies have improved significantly. Uh, the offers that they're making and the guarantees that they're willing to stand behind. Uh, I think it is important that when you're dealing with these types of companies that you're looking at the underlying company themselves. Um, I try to stick with A plus rated companies. The uh, actually I do stick with A plus rated companies and, and because you don't you don't want that kind of risk. You don't want credit risk if you can avoid it. So if you can avoid it. Anyway, there's one of the uh, products I'm very fond of, and I look at it as a replacement for income, uh, say a replacement for maybe some of the bonds in your portfolio. And here's why. Let, let, let's see, I'm a 66-year-old, and I'm going to retire next year. And I'm going to have a premium on my uh, Medicare supplement policy. And I, I would just like to figure out what that needs to be. And it's going to be right around um, a little over $5,000 a year. So I take $100,000. I put it in this, this particular product. I turn the income on 12 months from now. This one, you got to wait for 12 months. And I'm going to get $5,956. Okay, $5,956 off $100,000. So that's almost 6%. Now, I can take that money then. And I could just have it, you know, have the Medicare taken out of my checking account and having that, that money deposited into it. I got this idea, by the way, because I've had four people ask me about doing that. And so when I see more than when I get the question and it comes up more than once of, you know, how do I do this? Can I do this? Well, yeah, you can do it. And it's a uh, I think it's a, a really good idea. Now, these things get talked about, and they're called fixed index annuities. They get talked about as if they are going to give you an investment return that might be higher than that. I, I'm not looking at this as an investment. There's another annuity product. If you're looking for growth, I don't think this is the one that, that you want to look at. I think you want to, this one is the one you want to look at for income. If you're looking to take income at some point in time, and you want that income guaranteed, then these are the types of products that you want to look at. Uh, if you're looking for growth, those are called variable annuities. They allow you to invest in mutual funds. And I've got an, one of those as well that I like a lot. And the one that I use doesn't have a sales charge, doesn't have a penalty if you decide to change your mind. Uh, the one that pays out the higher income, the, the 100000 bucks that's paying out $5,956, uh, for the 67-year-old, that one's got a penalty if you get out of it early. So you don't want to, uh, you want to stay with it. And you can take a certain amount, and I, I can't remember exactly what that dollar amount is. If, if you need it for an emergency, I think they give you somewhere around 7% or so that you could take out without any penalties. It would affect your monthly payment, or could affect your monthly payment. It doesn't, 
hoping it would, but it could. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to tell you that it probably would. Um, you wouldn't want to do that if you didn't have to. So you just have to match up the need with the right product. That that's the key. And uh, get the, the right product f- to match the right need. And if you have a need for growth, and you want to see that you want to give yourself a chance to have that income grow over time, then you might want to look at that other annuity product. That's the investment only annuity. You can invest in Vanguard. You know, T. Rowe Price, Fidelity, there are 350 funds in one of them. The, uh, uh, there are ver- several versions of that product, by the way. And it uh, depends on what kind of guarantees that you want to have. If you just want plain old tax deferral as cheap as you can possibly get it, you don't care about all the benefits, the M&E expenses, the insurance expenses are only 20 bucks a month on that product. That is amazing. Only $20 a month. It doesn't matter how much money you had in it. You could have a million dollars in there, and it would still only be 20 bucks a month for the insurance company charges. That's, that's pretty mind-boggling. And uh, that is the least expensive one uh, on the market today. And uh, Fidelity's actually got a pretty good investment-only annuity as well, and it doesn't have any sales charges going in or out. Um, its fees are extremely low. So there are options out there. I mean, they're really good options. Uh, Fidelity doesn't offer you the ability on theirs to be able to um, add an income or a guarantee an income. They call that an income rider. But uh, it does have a bunch of their mutual funds in it. They got some other mutual, fu- mutual funds in there. And the, the nice thing about the uh, when you've got an investment annuity, especially if it's an investment only, super low cost. And when you rebalance your portfolio, you don't get a 1099. That's a big deal. Because if you, let's say you had the Fidelity Growth Fund, which is available in there, and, and it's done extremely well, and now you want to take some of the, the profits in that and move it over into maybe their, their super short-term bond fund uh, or just the money market fund to reduce your risk a little bit. Well, if you did that in a taxable account, you'd have to, You'll get a 1099 at the end of the year, and you'd have to pay taxes on part of your gains. And the, figuring that out sometimes can be a nightmare. But if you're in the investment-only annuity, then you just make the switch, and you get no 1099 until you actually start taking money out. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So if, if you'd like to learn more about that stuff, you know, feel free to give me a call. Uh, we can set up a call and, and talk about it. Yeah. Um, Again, there are two. I've been talking about two different products. Sometimes people get they take the attributes of one product and try to apply it to that. Oh, well, you're going to give me that fifty nine hundred dollars and fifty six five thousand nine hundred fifty six and no sales chart. Nope, that's not how that one works. <laughs> you're taking the high income from one and applying it to the other, and you're not. We're not allowed to do that. If I had the ability to do that, yeah, absolutely, I would do that, but. They're not my companies. All I all I can do is explain what your options are, and try to help you pick you know, between the two which ones are going to be the best for you. And I think with with those types of products, there are lots of good ones out there. Um, the uh, I just happen to like these the best, but the uh, there are are lots of other good ones out there. With those types of products and a regular brokerage account, then you can basically you know meet all your needs. Actually, you can meet all your needs with just the fixed index and the uh, investment only annuities. You could meet all your investment needs with that. That would be pretty wild. Unless you're like 
hundred million bucks because a lot of these guys won't take more than a couple million dollars. <laughs> it's an insurance thing. They have to watch their risk. Uh, you'd have to if you had hundred million bucks and you wanted to try to do this, you'd have to you'd have to employ oh probably. 10 or 15 companies that would be willing to take on that much money because that, you know, there's a risk for them. They're, they're guaranteeing those payments uh, for the rest of your life in, in both cases. Actually, if you add the writer to the investment only annuity, or if you just take it with the fixed index, it, they're guaranteed for the rest of your life. So it's uh, pretty interesting insurance guys. That would have been a fascinating field. I think to be an actuary because there are so many different things. They do so many, so much more, than they used to. They have to make predictions, by the way, on what they think they can earn, what they think they can pay, how much they're going to have to charge. Uh, I would have thought that that would be a pretty cool job. I would really have liked that. Didn't learn about it until I was like 30. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And uh, I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. So if you're a kid, now today, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be done with artificial intelligence, you're probably going to have to be a programmer. But the programmers have to take their directions from someone, and it's probably the lead um, or one of the uh, uh, actuaries actuaries that work for the insurance companies and or pension funds. That's the other thing. A lot of these companies do a whole lot of business in pensions. I know uh, um, as an administrator, Nationwide does a ton of business in that. That's one of the reasons I like them. They're Not only are they very highly rated, but they've got a lot of experience in that field. And the most of the most experience of any of the companies I know of now, and that's going to be changing at some point in time. Nobody stays at the top forever unless you're BlackRock. <laughs> I was just listening to a, a podcast about BlackRock. Holy cow. When those guys move, they move the markets. I mean, it is mind boggling how much money one company can have under management. Now, that's a whole lot of power to give to a company. And I'm, I was hearing some congressmen talking about it, and they were a little upset. And they were thinking that, you know, they're going to have to take some steps to curb or curb that uh, the power. But Fidelity and Vanguard are right there with them. I mean, so if you're going to get one, you better get all three. <laughs> and uh, they're victims of their own success. Now they're so big that they can they they can move markets any way they want. And this, this is one of the other things I, I really like about this current environment that we're in. I wish the valuations were lower, but I know that those guys know what's going on. And they know that GDP growth is probably going to remain accelerated. This, this pandemic created a lot of industries. It literally created, and, and then it pushed a bunch of other industries which were up and coming, it it put the pedal to the metal in those industries so that they're going to be more productive as well. I'm just wondering where we're going to get all the workers. You know, where are we going to get all the technicians that can handle all this new technology, which also creates jobs. I mean, you can't invest or or have one sector of the economy that just does well at the expense of all the others because everybody that works in that industry eats food, drives cars, lives in housing, wears clothing. Hopefully that is such a bad joke. I should probably just drop that completely, but it's become a habit now. Anyway, <laughs> they are, uh, uh, 
So you can't have one area of the economy that just does so much better than all the other. It, it spills over into every industry. Now, some portions of the economy, like technology, latest you know, four or five years, actually, oh, wow. In the 90s, it was crazy. It got so overpriced that it crashed, and it took a long time to recover. And that, that's what I'm trying to uh, get to. That's the point that I'm trying to get to. If the market were to go down, the market could easily have a, a four or five year period, three or four years, uh, four or five year period where it had negative returns. Uh, why? Well, if the market or if the economy slows down for whatever reason, it, it could be a million different reasons that would put a hurting you know, on the stock market. There's no doubt in my mind. If uh, some of the people get, you know, some of the congressmen get what they want and start having the, the Fed regulated more heavily. Uh, and the Fed's actually started to talk about uh, regulating banks more heavily. That'll throw, th- slow things down. That'll drop the S&P 500 30%. No sweat. No sweat. Yeah. And that's just what happens. Do I know exactly when that's going to happen? No. Neither does anybody else. But I can tell you that if you're thinking out 10 years or longer, which is where you should be, if you're not thinking out at least 10 years as an investor, okay, you're making mistakes. You're, you're going to put yourself under a tremendous amount of pressure. And most people want to know what they need to do over the next 12 months. That's why the average person ends up not doing very well in, in the stock market, and which you can't afford to do that these days. Back when you got a 5 or 6% CD to bail you out, I remember when CDs were you know, 15%. I remember when 30-year treasuries were, uh, the yield was 15% on them. That was it. That wasn't very long. Back in that, I think I was like 16. Yep. And there's a reason why I was paying attention to that. Most 16-year-olds, <laughs> they don't have it. But uh, I won't go into those boring details. But anyway, so you, you had interest rates that were significantly higher, and you didn't really need stocks. A lot of people wouldn't have needed stocks for their entire lifetime. Now, today, with interest rates less than 1%, not real likely to go up anytime soon. And, and by the way, if they raised interest rates, let's say you they raised them back to 4 or 5%, which means that your mortgages would be back around 7% or higher, which is incredibly low when you grew up in the period that I grew up in. And now that I hear the music, we're going to have to finish this story when, we, when I come back. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Come on and play my music Let- 
every love light in the place it's time i found myself totally surrounded in your circles oh my friends please celebrate me home and we're back hey Bill Bullington, I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to find out more about my firm and what we try to do for people, and we're basically focused on trying to help people manage their retirement assets so that they don't run out of money one day. Um, If you're before retirement age, we try to help you build those assets up so that you, because it takes a lot of money. I don't know if, uh, You've ever heard the four percent rule? The College for Financial Planning is very keen on, on talking about that. Now they're actually dropping it down to like three percent, which is really wild. But so just the four percent rule means you should not plan on spending more than four percent of your savings your first year in retirement. Okay. You're gonna have to increase that each year to keep up with inflation. If inflation keeps up at the rate that it's kept up at, that's quite a bit. But, uh, and, and by the way, I think I'm going to have to put a curriculum together for a bunch of 12 year olds. Cause by the time you're 12, you already know how to do percentages and kids should know this. Those classes that they take in high school, learn how to balance your checkbook. Are you kidding me? Who doesn't know how to balance your checkbook? By the way, it balances itself. You log on now. <laughs> Anyway, that's it's fine. Budgeting, that's a good thing to learn how to do. But what you really need to teach these kids is how much money it takes to be able to retire comfortably. It's a lot. It's intimidating. And how do you make it grow? How do you try to make it last as long as you do? Average retirement's a little over 20 years. At a 3.5% inflation rate, prices will double in 20 years. So... And I know that's just what you want to hear. You retire at 65. By the time you're 85, prices are twice what they were. And uh, yeah. And by the way, a larger portion of your money starts going to health care because our bodies start to wear out. And health care costs have been going up two, two and a half, three times the average rate of inflation over the past 20 years. So it's tough. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. And they need to start teaching this to kids when they're really young. The kids don't get intimidated. So, but anyway, that's a, I'll get off that soapbox and, and get back to what we need to be talking about for uh, individuals. Uh, I have, you know, I, I just wanted to talk about this company for a little bit. It's a public company called Purple Innovation. They make a mattress. And I've owned this stock now for a couple of years. I was up a hundred over 100% in it. Now I'm down about 35 <laughs> And in the account that it's in, that account is up almost twice what the market is over that same time period. The, uh, or maybe not, no, that's up a lot, whatever it is, 130% or so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up more than market is um, by quite a bit, even with that dog in there. <laughs> so uh, my point here is that you don't have to pick all winners. And this company, if it makes it, if this company makes it, they've been hurt. Talk about some bad luck. Holy cow, it's a small company to begin with, a relatively new company. 
and they were trying to expand and, and build a plant here in the United States that were having their mattresses made overseas and then having them shipped here and then shipping them from the, you know, the West Coast all over the country. So they decided to build their own factory. The bottom line is bad timing to be building a, a factory right before a pandemic breaks out. So it may not work out. PRPL is a symbol right now. It's on the 10 bucks. I think I paid somewhere around 15, 16 for it. And I added to it lately, but the, um, it's high risk. So I don't want you to, to, to think about that. And I'm just looking at a, a scan today. I pre-recorded this show, by the way, and this is really funny. Uh, R.R. Donnelly comes out and I remember that stock five or six years ago, boy, it just got kiboshed. And uh, stock goes all the way uh, here. Let, let's see. That's probably 2016, 2017 when I was talking about it. 27 bucks. And then in 2020, it's down to a dollar. <laughs> 27 to a dollar. Now it's up to 10 bucks. So when you're talking about individual stocks, I, I don't think people understand just how much volatility. I, I know they don't understand how much they fluctuate. Here's IBM. IBM is actually below the price that it sold for in 1999. Think about that. Below where it sold for in 1999. Now, it went way down after 1999 when the tech market crashed, and then it went way up in the uh, uh, 11, 12, 2011, 2012, 2013. In fact, it was up from its low to, to the high. Let's see. That was a, it was up 280%. And then it came right back down. And now from its high, let's see where that is. From its high price to where it is today, it's down about 45%. And everybody thinks, you know, oh, why do they do that? Well, because they're stocks. That's what stocks do. They're very volatile. And if you don't have a plan, I've got, a, I've got news for you. The market's got a plan for you. And you're not going to like it. Because it's going to beat you up. That, that's what stocks like to do. They will test your patience. They'll test your um, fortitude. You, you got to have a plan if you're going to do well, especially today. I was talking about earlier, we we're talking about the fixed index annuities and the, the payout ratio. That, that's one of the numbers. You know, when you can get close to somewhere between a five or six percent, depending on how old you are, when you're up in your 70s and 80s, a lot of them are like seven or eight percent, even higher. If you uh, depends on your age. So if you'd like a you'd like me to run an illustration for you, you can always email me or call me. I'd be glad to do that. Uh, it's free of charge. You know, it, it may take me a day or two to get back to you, but the uh, I will get back to you. And uh, just tell me what your age is and what kind of income you're looking for. Actually, you can just tell me what your age is. I just put 100000 bucks in there so the math is easy. It's a, uh, um, if it's 100000 or a million, it's going to be, you just multiply by 10. Or if it's 10, well, actually, I think, I think the minimum on these are 25000 So anyway, uh, just hit me up on an email. Say, yeah, I would like to, to see an illustration. I can even send you a link. You can go in and do them yourself and, and play around with it. Um, I think in today's day and age, with the amount of debt the U.S. government has right now, I think it's highly unlikely that they're going to raise interest rates a lot anytime real soon. I don't. When I say anytime real soon, I'm talking ten years. I don't think they're going to raise interest rates for the next ten years. 
You look at how low they've been in Japan. I mean, it's like 30, 40 years. And in fact, in Japan, you have to pay the banks to hang on to your money for you. I think. I think you still have to do that. But they've had their interest rates so low, they got into such a, a hard place that they haven't been able to raise interest rates. So people essentially have to work until they they die in a lot of cases, or you just save a tremendous amount. And they do in Japan, they save a tremendous amount of money. And then they say, they try to glide home. And I'm sure in, in Japan, I'm, you know, I don't know for sure. I, I would bet insurance companies are involved in that because you can do like a reverse mortgage. And that's basically what these things are. It's like a reverse mortgage. You give them a lump sum and they give you a payment. They can guarantee it for your life. They can guarantee it for you and a beneficiary if you'd like. They can guarantee for you, you your income beneficiary. And then when, when your spouse passes away, it can go to your kids, whatever's left. There are lots and lots of options. I mean, there are thousands of options. So it's really important that you, you try to you look around and you try to get uh, find the product that's going to fit your needs. And there's some companies out there that, that'll, that'll do it. Now, one of the things that I, I don't like is when I hear ads when they talk about the investment performance and how well that's going to do uh, and you get the better of the two. That's all true. I'm here to tell you. I, I held a uh, options principles license. I know what they're doing with the money. The chances of them growing the money faster than the guaranteed rates are pretty slim. I mean, they, they might, but, and I've said that from the very beginning, the chances of the investments growing faster than the amounts that they are paying is very slim, but they're willing to get, that's because they're willing to guarantee a, a fairly significant amount of income. And uh, I know all the uh, the stock people are all upset at me because they haven't spent much time on stocks. But I'm looking at my scans right now, live, and there's nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I really can't control it with the control that. I looked at R.R. Donnelly and Sons, and uh, you know I can't wait until the facilities open back up and we can start doing some seminars. Because uh, and, and incidentally, um, I'm supposed to be moving across the street. There's a, uh, the, my office building is connected, to, is owned by uh, a company that owns a bunch of offices on the same street, office buildings. And we were supposed to move sometime. We were actually supposed to be there a long time ago, but, uh, you know, the pandemic came up. And sometime next, in the first quarter of, of next year, and they've got meeting facilities there. So this should be, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be able to get together. There's a stock club I've been talking to forever. And, uh, you know, this stuff has, uh, you know, it's, that's life, I guess. Pandemics just kind of pushed everything back. But I think the opportunities are really good for stock pickers. Um, I fully expect, by the way, the, uh, well, my expectations are that Purple probably recovers at some point in time. And uh, they've got a great product. The profit margins, their gross profit margins are really high. And, and uh, you know, it's, if they could just get through this hump and, and, and make it, who knows? You know, they, I, I don't know exactly. I've, I'll have to look. I haven't looked in a long time. But it, anyway, fingers are crossed, and I'm pretty optimistic about it, at least at this point. And, uh, but that's the way that goes. But my point to this whole thing was, there are a lot of other companies, individual companies that, that look like they're pretty undervalued at this point. That is encouraging when you're looking at companies and they're not all overpriced the way they were in 
or 2000, actually 2000, there were a lot of, um, um, companies that weren't overpriced. It was 2007 through 2000. Yeah. Through 2007, almost every index was selling at a level that the growth rate would have had to been really high for a long time to justify. So that comes along and then you get a, a housing crisis at the same time. And it's just a double whammy. That, that's why that decline was so deep. And, um, the other reason it was so deep was that it started happening in an election year. Worst possible time you could possibly go into a uh, set of conditions like that. Reminded me of that movie, that George Clooney movie. I never, that was one of the most depressing movies I ever saw when he was out on a fishing boat and it was the perfect storm. Everywhere he turned, oh no, it just kept getting worse. <laughs> And that that is exactly what 2008, 2009 reminded me. I was like, you got to be kidding. Now this, and by the way, look at where we are since that time period. Look at where the stock market is. Yeah, that's my point. And we have more drivers, more long-term drivers, 5G, electric cars, the re-electrification of the grid, the rebuilding of the grid, the uh, quantum computing, alternative fuel source. We have so many more drivers going on in the economy right now than we had. We've got more than we've ever had. I am absolutely positive this has broken a world record. More disrupting huge industries at work than we've ever had. Now, does that mean that you go 100% in stocks and just you know throw caution to the wind? Heck no. It, that depends on how old you are. You know, because market could still go down and take several years to recover. That's really rough. I mean, if you can do without income for several years, fine. But if you can't do without income for several years, several years, you better get a plan. And uh, and I know a lot of younger people who have have a lot of money now because they've been investing in stocks. They're they're worried and they're, they're trying to time this up. Bad idea. That that's a horrible idea. You should, instead of doing that, figure out how much of a decline you can take, multiply that by two, and that's what you should limit your investments to. How's that? I just took a, uh, you should say I took a 30-page risk tolerance questionnaire and boiled it down to that. <laughs> and, and by the way, mine's more effective. In, in fact, I, I love Occam's razor. The simplest solution is often the best. There's an awful lot of truth to that. And I'm uh, from the, the group that doesn't want to add one extra s step if it's not necessary. If it's not absolutely necessary, throw it out. If it is necessary, do not skip it. Watching this television show about this, these, these planes and they converted to kilograms to pounds and they weren't supposed to do that. So the airplane literally ran out of fuel. <laughs> this is a jet. A gigantic jet. They run out of fuel. And fortunately, the chief, the, the pilot, he was a, uh, a glider. He, and he knew how to glide the plane and he slipped and all this stuff. I was barely keeping up with the language. But they landed that plane with no engines. That plane was up in the air for an extremely long time period, too. So that's pretty cool. That's not... Uh, uh, I mean, it was fun to watch. I would never want to be in that type of situation. And that's what you got to be careful of when you're getting close to retirement. You, you got to watch the fuel. 
You got to watch the volatility. There was a lot of luck involved with that plane, by the way, and they were lucky. And you don't want to rely on luck. Don't rely on luck. Rely on data. Rely on concepts that have worked in the past. Um, are, are they going to be a little bit different than they have been for a lot of the time period? Yeah, because interest rates are a lot lower, so you're going to have to look at some other alternatives. But there are alternatives out there that are paying a really nice return, will give you some guarantees that you can't get in other products, and you can mix those in with your more traditional products. That's the A-plus job, in my opinion. Use a mixture of, of newer products that have just come out in the market that have some guarantees, some of them also have some growth opportunities. And then uh, use the traditional models, which we're going to talk a whole lot more about next week. I'm going to tell you where I see the, the best opportunities next week in the uh, ETF space. Exchange-traded funds, I don't care what you describe. Um, there's probably a fund out there. There's probably five or ten of them that are doing what you any idea that you can describe, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, and that, that's the hard part. There are a lot of crappy ones out there. The, the idea sounded really good on paper. And then when they got out into the open or actually into the real market, they just didn't do that well, probably won't do that well. We've got to learn how to avoid that next week. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm right here on 1420 every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.